Welcome to the Hunt the West podcast, where it is all about getting outside, experiencing the outdoors, and having epic adventures. At Hunt the West, my only goal is for you to get out and hunt. I'm Skylar Harrison. I'm your host, and today we're going to be talking all about mule deer behavior, and we're going to go through season by season. I just wanted to spill everything that I've learned about mule deer behavior, which admittedly is not an expert level uh, amount of knowledge. But I mean, obviously I don't know everything, but I know a lot of you are beginners and this is going to be a great episode for you to return back to, to understand mule deer life cycles and patterns and how it all pertains to you as a hunter. It's hard to know where to start with all this because the life of a mule deer is obviously a cycle. So for our purposes, I just figured that we'd start in the summer because it seemed like a very good place to start. Summertime is probably a mule deer's favorite time of year. I'm guessing that that is the case because they are way more relaxed. There's a lot more to eat. That's when they do the most growing. And it's the time that the fewest number of animals die. So fawns are born in the late May or early June, depending on when the does were bred, you know, which is in November. And since the gestation period for a deer is about 200 days, maybe a little bit more, it ends up being late May or early June is when those fawns start hitting the ground. That might be a little bit crude, but anyway, that, that's when the fawns start being born. And those does are usually going to have twins. Um, they can have up to four fawns at one time, which from my experience, I've never seen. But I would imagine that if you are having four fawns that you probably aren't going to be able to feed them that well. I mean, if you're just one doe. But I mean, I could be wrong. You, but you normally see does running around with two fawns at a time. So if you're hiking around and you find like one of a little spotted fawn in early May or sorry, late, late May or early June, and it's all curled up and not moving. I mean, you, you might come across them because they're not going to run at that stage. Obviously you just need to leave it alone. Those spots, although they are very cute and everybody wants to get close and touch them. It is a really bad idea. They have those spots because it helps with camouflage and the does will leave the fawns there because they have a lot better chance of surviving a predator attack if you can't see them. And if they run away, they're going to be seen and they're definitely going to get caught. So that's a pretty short time frame when those fawns are super vulnerable. But I mean, within a few weeks, they're running around and and they actually lose their spots after a couple months. So by late summer, they're going to be spotless. But let's talk about the bucks. This is what most of you are probably interested in when it comes to summertime deer behavior, because this is when the archery tags start. This is also is what consider is what is considered early season. So if hunting season as a whole, if you look at it as a whole, the that is like the fall season, hunting season, early season would be late summer and late season would be in the winter. Let's talk about those bucks in early season, which are generally archery-only seasons. So those bucks in summer are not usually anywhere near the does and fawns. They're typically going to be in groups with other bucks. We call them bachelor herds or bachelor groups of bucks. And these bachelor groups are going to be in those higher elevations, likely where there is not very much thick cover. So you'll find them in a tree line or above tree line or in those areas where the trees aren't super thick, where they can kind of hide in the in the shade a little bit, but there's a lot of open areas to feed during the daytime. I don't know if this is truly the reason why or not, but I've heard that this may, and it makes sense to me, that they stay away from those thick cover areas because their antlers are super sensitive. Summertime is when those antlers are growing back um, after they lose them in the spring. 
and they're going to be covered in velvet and have a rich blood supply in the antlers. A lot of people don't even know this, but under that velvet are blood and veins and arteries, and it's a good way for those bucks to cool their blood down to stay cool in the summertime. It's like a little radiator in your car, but I mean, a natural radiator. It's pretty genius, actually, if you ask me. But if you were to touch a velvet buck's antlers, um, they're actually soft and squishy when that velvet is on there. And then the hard bone is actually underneath, obviously, but I've never actually touched a velvet deer's antlers. It's probably my number one hunting goal right now, especially this year. Hopefully I get a tag, but I want to get a velvet buck down with my bow. Uh, something about those velvet bucks is just completely captivating to me, and I I just want one so bad. So desert bucks or those flatter area bucks obviously can't go into the high country like those other bucks up you know above tree line or whatever, but they will still hang out together in bachelor groups, and they won't be in the same area as the does are. So those desert bucks are going to, going to be where there is water. Same with high country bucks too, but it's a little more available in the high country. So if you're looking to find mule deer in the desert, putting trail cams on water sources is a great way to do it. And I mean, just like with any smart big buck, they are going to use those less water, those less popular water sources in the desert. You know, like a little puddle in a riverbed or in a crevice of a rock after a rainstorm. So you have to get kind of creative and find those water sources, which can be tough, in, especially in the desert. Um, a lot of times in those desert regions, they don't hit water every day because they're picking up water from the vegetation they eat, you know, and wherever else they might get a little sip. They will still drink from those puddles and water tanks and stuff for cattle and like places like that, but you might not see them hitting those sources every day at those places just because they're getting it from their food. And that brings us to food, which is the next category of things that you want to look at. So summer food, deer in general, are browsers. So that means they wander around and they eat the best little bits of plants as they go along. Um, and that is in as opposed to grazers like elk, who, although they aren't exclusive grazers, they tend to mow down a bunch of grass like, like cattle will. So mule deer love blossoms and flowers. It's like, uh, it's like Thumper and Bambi, just eat the blossom. I've been watching the all those old original Disney movies, you know, from like the 90s and stuff. Disney Plus um, is awesome, by the way. <laughs> I've been watching them with my son over this coronavirus quarantine time, and it's been a lot of fun. I mean, I have some other opinions about Bambi and, and Disney in general as it relates to hunting, but we'll we'll just leave that for another time. I mean, I love Disney Plus, though. It's awesome. Anyway, back to Mule Deer. They love the flowers, like little dandelions, and I don't know what the names of all those flowers are called, but there's like these purple ones that they really like and these red ones I've seen them eat. And um, honestly, you don't have to be like a botanist. Um, is that what a plant expert is called? I think it's called botanist. Anyway, you don't have to be a plant expert to find out what they're eating. You just, I mean, you look for color, green. The greener something is, the more lush it looks, the more water it's going to have, and the more they're going to want to eat it and be near it. So they don't have to work hard to find those nutrients that and proteins and stuff. So in a nutshell, summertime. Summertime mule deer are primarily going to be looking for food and water. That's their primary need that needs to be met. They're obviously going to do that in the context of fulfilling what I would consider their secondary need, which is safety. So the best feed might be in a farmer's field or in a berry patch or something like that. But if there's a tractor in that field and 
farmers running that tractor all day or there's a grizzly bear that's been frequenting that berry patch, they aren't going to be hanging out there. So you mean you have to constantly balancing the multitude of the of their needs. So they are primarily looking for food and water, but you have to use that in the context of their other secondary need for safety in summertime. But in general, summertime is the time to pack on the pounds, get all those nutrients so that they can go into fall and winter with an advantage. So now the buck's velvet is starting to fall off. When we get into mid to late September, that blood dries up, they rub that velvet off and they become hard horned. Their horns are always hard under there, obviously, but since they don't have that soft, squishy velvet on the outside anymore, people say that they're quote unquote hard horned. And obviously, yes, for all you nerds out there, I know that mule deer don't have horns. They're called antlers. I mean, there's technically a difference. Antlers shed every year, but horns stick around. But horn is an easier word to say. So, I mean, everyone knows what you're talking about. So don't be don't be that guy that's like, actually, technically, deer have antlers, not horns. Okay, yeah, we know. We know. They're called antlers. <laughs> but, you know, we just say horns. It's, it's an easier word to say, horns. Okay, so the velvet comes off in mid to late September, and that brings in a new phase of deer behavior. And because of that new behavior, you're obviously, it's going to change where you're going to find them. So let's start talking about fall. So now it's late September or early October, and this is when the deer start changing their behavior. I'm going to, again, give the caveat that I am not a biologist or a wildlife scientist or anything like that. So this is just what I have experienced. So although I want to learn the whys of a lot of these things, I don't really have the why answers right now. But I know what I've experienced, and that is what I'm going to be sharing with you. So with that out of the way, let's talk about fall. So as soon as their velvet comes off and the bucks are hard-horned, they change their behavior. They start moving a lot more. They don't hang out in those bachelor, like those tight bachelor groups in the same patternable areas as, as they did in summertime. Um, sometimes you'll find those smaller buck groups with a couple of does and fawns. Um, to me, it seems like they're getting ready for the rut. They aren't rutting yet, but they like to know where some of those does are hanging out. And when they run into new buck, you know, those old buddies from the summer range, then they start running into those guys. They start sizing each other up, see who is the big guy in town. And, you know, there's not a whole lot of like sparring going on right now. But in the summer, I feel like they don't really care what size of rack you have or how dominant you are because, you know, they're just trying to stock up on food and there's no tension between the bucks or uh, I mean there's like a little bit where you see like oh don't sleep in my bed that's my bed and they'll come and like kick each other out of the bed or whatever but in the fall I haven't seen much sparring activity like early October you know like when they're locking antlers and pushing each other around and stuff like that you don't see that as much in early October but you do start seeing it in late October and definitely for sure in November which is when the rut is so October is is a really hard time to hunt mule deer. Um, finding them can be pretty tough because in the summer, they're a lot easier to see. Their coats are like almost red and it stands out. It's like a or, or orange, brown, red color. And the, it's just easier to see and they can't hide as easily because their antlers are so sensitive, they can't get into that thick cover. But in October, they can just push those hard horns through that thick oak brush and get into some thick nasty stuff and hide out there until the rut starts and that's tough because they're just way harder to see so this is when your your rifle seasons 
and your muzzleloader seasons are going to be, and as far as um, hunting them goes, I think this is one of the hardest times to hunt mule deer is in that October time frame. So as far as food goes, they are still going to be searching for food and water, but in summer, when that is their primary goal, you know, find the best food, I think that fall time, that becomes equal to, or maybe a little bit secondary to safety and their need to, well, and, the, and then their need to breed is kind of slowly starting the, the, to make their way onto their needs radar, <laughs> like quote unquote, like needs radar, if that's a thing. So basically I think their behavior is based on their environment. So fall is when hunting season starts. I mean, that's when the most people are going to be out. It's when the the hunter's presence is going to be most apparent to those mule deer. And that's when um, most people are going to be bumping deer around and making them move. So they are going to be looking for those sanctuaries and, you know, those hell holes so that they can stay safe. And they will find those feeding areas and try to feed earlier in the morning or after dark to stay away from pressure. So in the summertime, there's a lot of pressure too from hikers and bikers and stuff. Um, but I feel like the pressure is more predictable. So the pressure is going to be coming from common trails and common hiking areas. And so the, the deer know where those are, they make their way away from them. And then they find these little sanctuaries and it's just, it's natural for them to stay there and nothing is really moving them around in the summer. So although the safety is still concern in summertime, they're going to be they're going to be a lot more relaxed when you do find them because you know there's fewer people going off trail and bumping those deer around so in the fall when you know there's a lot of hunters coming around and they're actually going off trail and going on atv trails and stuff and hiking into places they're going to be looking for those sanctuaries so that they can stay safe and then they're going to find those feeding areas that are near those safe areas and they're going to try to feed earlier in the morning or after dark um, the days get shorter too, so there's there's less time during the day to feed. Um, so they're going to be starting to go nocturnal or semi-nocturnal, or they're just going to be out less because of the pressure. And so the food that they're eating that this time depends on where you are. But I mean, the the these principles are these general principles are just going to stay the same. They they want green, they want lush, they want water, and they're going to eat more those little more tender parts of the sagebrush plants, those grasses, the little leaves and stuff like that, the leaves that are still on the bushes and trees. But if you're looking to find the deer, you're going to want to find the places that they are going to hide and also have some good food. So you kind of keep those two needs together. I mean, water is important too, but sometimes this can be a hard time to find water because the tiny little creeks have dried up. The snow has melted and so there might not be running water like running creeks and there hasn't been a lot of snow quite yet because you know it's still early like winter hasn't set in um it depends on where you are obviously but when you like you may or may not have snow at that point in the year so you want to take water into account they can also retain a lot more water during this time of year i feel like because their their winter coats are on it's not as hot so they're not losing lots of water and you know they don't need to cool down as much so you can take that into account it really depends on your area and where what you're seeing. So, I mean, I'm trying to avoid saying you just have to get out there and do it and see what the deer are doing. I mean, but that's pretty true. You, I, I just don't want to cop out by saying you just have to do it and then not actually give you any good information. But that is what you learn from. So I hope that these tips are good guiding principles to help you as you do get out there and hunt and go out there and do it. Okay, so let's talk about the rut, the winter. Like we're 
kind of going into winter, not quite into full-blown winter yet. So those late October hunts, November hunts, those are going to be a lot more rut-based hunts. And when it's November, I consider that a late-season hunt or a rut hunt. I mean, each state is different, and so those could be archery, muzzleloader, or rifle hunts, but the deer behavior is going to be the same. Although your tactics might vary based on that whatever weapon you're using, Um, But let's just talk about rut behavior. So rutting season, the primary needs of the buck during rutting season are going to switch from the sanctuary mode and food to mating. Mating is going to be the number one priority for those bucks at this time of year. And that's why you're going to have a lot better chance finding a big bruiser buck in the rut as opposed to in the fall in those October hunts, those early October hunts especially the need and their desire to mate is going to be a lot stronger than their need to feel safe. And that can make some bucks do some really dumb things like just walk out into the open of in the middle of the day. But if a doe is in heat or another term for that is in estrus, if she's ready to be bred, that scent fills up the air and it's like potpourri to that buck. And they just want to come a running. (laughs) I mean, literally I've seen bucks like literally running down does that are in heat and you know they're in heat because of the way that the bucks are acting around them and they're I mean they just lose their minds it's 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 not totally distinct from like a 19 year old college kid at a party (laughs) um they'll do some dumb stuff um the instinct to breed for these bucks is going to be super super strong and um they might even stop eating because they just are so fixated on the does and the does are still looking for food and they haven't completely lost their minds um, but those bucks are pushing around so they can get pushed into weird areas sometimes so but they'll tend to drop in elevation so you know when they're those bucks are up in the high country in the summer they might drop down a little bit into thicker areas during those early like late september early october and then once the rut comes around um, depending on the snow and everything like the bucks, the does are going to drop down and then the bucks are going to follow. So if you're trying to find them and you can't, you can't completely discount food because I mean, that's where the does are going to be. They're going to be finding good food. And consequently, that's where the bucks are going to be. So those south facing slopes where snow is going to be a little more shallow or it melts more quickly after a snowstorm, that is a good place to find food. Um, those south facing slopes but depending on your area it might be a little bit more based on elevation and snow depth than necessarily like like the side of the canyon that are that you're on so water isn't as big of a deal deer will eat snow and stuff and if there's no snow in the desert areas there's likely going to be more water just because it's winter and there's more precipitation and so that isn't going to be as big of a concern so you're going to want to look for those does they're going to be near good food and then the bucks will follow. Um, I have never hunted bucks in the rut, but I've hunted does in the rut. And so I was, while I'm watching the does, I'll just see bucks coming in and checking all the does and then leaving and then going to the next group of does. And I've, I've seen more bucks during the rut than I do during the buck hunts, like during October. The bucks start coming out because those does go into estrus and they want to breed them. So anyway, that brings us to winter, winter, like the dead of winter. December, January, February, these, these months don't have hunts on them very often. Um, they do exist in some areas, so I do want to cover this uh, time of year a little bit. 
But admittedly, at this time, I've spent the least amount of time looking for deer. I'm just not out as much. And as the snow gets deep in the high country, they're not going to survive up there. So they move out and go toward their winter range. So some populations of deer are going to be a lot more migratory than others. But during the rut and afterwards, deer are moving toward the winter range, which is typically going to be in those lower elevations like valleys and like the low country where the food is more readily available and it's not covered by, you know, like four feet of snow. So as winter goes on, the deer get more and more vulnerable. And then those bucks have spent a ton of energy during the rut and they're going to want to try and hunker down, eat a lot of food, store up more energy and get through the winter. This is the time of year that most deer are going to die just of natural causes from exposure, from starvation, um, from predators. I mean, they die from predators all year long, but during the winter when they're more weak, it's the time that the predators are going to be able to take advantage of them a lot more. So especially late winter, like late January, February, March, that is what, that's when I, as a hunter, am watching for how intense the winter is. And because that's going to change how winter kill is. So winter kill is just how many deer are dying over the winter. And lots of snow, usually the thing that kills the most deer is like the giant snowstorms and the cold. The deep snow makes it really hard to find food. And then they obviously need that food to stay alive and stay warm, you know, because their normal digestion process is going to provide a lot of heat. And that helps them stay alive. So fawn mortality can be... The fawns are the most vulnerable and then the older deer that are really weak and on their way out. Those fawns can die at a rate as high as 80 to 90% on really bad winter years. So those weakest deer are not going to make it in those heavy winters. So like, I don't know about you guys, but whenever we're having a bad winter storm, especially late in the winter, like February, March, whenever we're having like a bad winter storm, I'm always wondering, I'm like looking up at the mountain, I'm like wondering, like, what are those deer doing? I mean, it still, it still completely blows my mind that they just live out there all year long. No shelter, nowhere to hide, like hide in little bushes and stuff. But I mean, like, it's crazy. These animals are just so tough. It blows my mind. And every time that it's super cold and snowy, I'm thinking about how those deer are doing up in the hills. In the winter range, those deer are mostly going to just stick together. The bucks might be a little bit separated from the does, but in the winter range, they're going to pretty much hang out together. But that brings us to spring. Those deer that make it through the winter are the lucky ones, and they're going to make their way as the snow melts back up into the high country, away from the hotter valleys and into the mountains as soon as there's enough food to support them up there. So bucks are usually going to be the first ones to leave the winter range and head back up. And they might hang out in different places, Um, like different years depending on the conditions like they might pick a particular elevation depending on the snowpack Um, this is also the time of year in springtime when they shed their antlers so shed hunting is super fun I'm not super serious about it but I like finding sheds when I come across them and it's it's not really a passion of mine but I like them when I find them so mule, mule deer usually shed their antlers anywhere from the end of January which is actually really early and not typical at all but it can go anywhere and they can hang on to their antlers as, as late as April, which is pretty late. Um, most of them had shed by, by April. Um, but I would say mid February to the beginning of March is when the majority of deer are going to shed their antlers. 
And by this time in the year, those bucks have gotten all together again. If any of them had separated during on the winter range, they're going to start getting into those bachelor groups again and start heading into the high country. I mean, they, they put their differences aside from the rut and they start getting back together again. So they are going to still have their primary need as food at this time of year in the springtime. And I'd say that secondary need is probably going to be shelter or sanctuary or safety or whatever that word you want to use. You know, they just want to stay safe. And those bucks tend to follow that as a general rule. And they're going to be in those higher elevations than the does. But depending on the snowpack and the amount of food, they might all be in the same place. You know, you just have to check it out and conditions change from year to year. But you can bet that the bucks are going to be the first to leave the winter range and make it back to the summer range where life is good and the food is plentiful again and hopefully it warms up quick and the snow melts so that they can start feasting on those yummy blossoms. Um, I don't know about you, but I am ready for summer scouting to get going again. I, I haven't gotten my draw results yet, but the next few months or so, um, actually, I don't know. Yeah, I think like the next month, that's when draw results will be coming out for Utah anyway. And I hope to fulfill my goal of getting that velvet buck with a bow this year. This is the year, guys. This is the year. I'm going to put it out there. I hope as long as I get a tag, I can make it happen this year. But meanwhile, I'm going to be focusing on things that I can control, you know, like staying fit, shooting my bow, so that I am ready when the season comes. And I hope that it is going to be the same for you. You can shoot me an email. Let me know what your plans are this hunting season, skylar at huntthewest.us. But I hope that that was helpful for you. And if it was, please Um, the best thing you can do for the show is to share it with someone that you think would like it. Sharing is caring, my friends. (laughs) If you want to go above and beyond just sharing it with a friend and to support your favorite podcast, I mean, this is obviously your favorite podcast, but if you want to support the show, you can go buy an awesome t-shirt with the Hunt the West logo on it, and you can do that at huntthewest.us slash shop. That supports the show. I mean, podcasting ain't free guys (laughs) but really the best thing that you can do is share the show with your friends and if you want to pick up a shirt on the site you can do that and there's a link in the description for that oh and one other announcement the gear page is live i have forgotten to announce it here i mean it's on the website it's been up for a little while but if you want to see a basic gear list that i use and or recommend go to huntthewest.us slash gear. That stuff is going to change. Um, there's some coupon codes on there too to save you some money as you go around looking for your gear for this hunting season. Um, that page, huntthewest.us slash gear, that page is going to be updated over time. So even if you're listening to this in the future, go ahead and check that out as I start using different things that I'll update that page. But anyway, you can go there, huntthewest.us slash gear. And any other questions, any other comments, I'd love to hear them. Just go to, you can email me at skyler at huntthewest.us. So anyway, thanks for listening. I hope you learned some things about mule deer and their behavior in the different times of year and different seasons so that you can get out there, dominate, and hunt the West. (laughs) 